Hi, I'm Philip Anthony Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. And this is episode 117. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash theweekindoubt. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Before we get started, I'll take care of the obligatory Twitter shoutouts. First up, we have Andrew Allen, then Grumpy Young Men, Claudette Melanson, and this is an interesting one, Mike Davis. And his tagline reads, I'm the editor of the Lovecraft E-Zine, a magazine devoted to the Cthulhu or Cthulhu mythos. I'm also a husband, father, reader, and writer. I have severe fibromyalgia. Uh, Well, I'm very sorry to hear about that, but uh, that's exciting, a fellow uh, Lovecraft enthusiast. And I think I actually communicated briefly with Mike last week via Twitter, um, thanks to... uh, good friend of the show, Crocoduck. I think Crocoduck also alerted me to the fact that prominent atheist thinker Robert M. Price is not only the Bible geek, but he's also the Lovecraft geek, which is pretty awesome. And I mentioned half-jokingly in passing um, on Twitter in response that it seems like there is some correlation between being an atheist and being a Lovecraft enthusiast. And uh, Mike actually said that he had done some kind of study regarding that, and that seemed to be in line with his findings. So that's pretty cool. And like I mentioned uh, last week, I believe Lovecraft himself was, uh, might be fair to call him an atheist, or that he had an atheistic worldview, despite the kind of fantastic nature of his uh, stories. And also in this weird little bit of trivia that I learned years ago just popped into my head. I think Lovecraft died from what was referred to as a rare combination of cancer and Bright's disease. Uh, I think he was relatively young, too. He might have been in his 40s, I think. Uh, I could be wrong. Just working off a memory. But who else do we have on uh, Twitter? Let's see. Jonathan Crane. Omen Cage, I'm an atheist partaking in the fight against religion one tweet at a time. I like video games, movies, weed, comics, music, sex, and alcohol. Follow a brother. (laughs) Actually, I'll follow him right now. All right. Um, Michael Arnold. Then we have Skeptic at, it looks like, I Apparel. And then Ash Paula, who I think I uh, gave a shout out to uh, the week before last. All right. Also, I'd like to thank John Haas again for donating to the show. And I'd also like to thank him for bringing to my attention that when you try to search for The Week in Doubt at Patreon, uh, that nothing comes up. So I looked into it, and that is the case. Uh, But fortunately, still, if you do a search for Phil or Philip Albertelli, there's my long-ass Italian name again, A-L-B-E-R-T-E-L-L-I, uh, if you do a search for Phil or Philip Albertelli, my Patreon page should show up. And once again, Patreon is just a way for listeners or benefactors to support podcasters or um, other online talent. And I think the way I have it set up right now, uh, there's the option to donate a dollar a month to the show. 
I could have chosen to ask for a dollar every episode. I usually produce four episodes a month on average. Um, but maybe it's just me being afraid to ask for too much. So I kind of reeled it in and left it at only a dollar a month. So if you're interested in supporting the show that way, just go to patreon.com, do a search for uh, Phil or Philip Elbertelli, and you should be able to uh, sign up or donate from there. Okay, but enough about that. So finally, on with the show. Okay, so I've been looking forward to covering this story, and as you've probably already heard, Ken Ham has made the headlines yet again. This time by stating that he believes that scientists should give up looking for extraterrestrial life because there probably aren't any aliens out there, and even if they are, they're probably all going to hell. (laughs) Um, The guy knows how to brew controversy, I'll give him that. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already familiar with uh, Ken Ham. But just in case, to um, reiterate or catch you up, he's, I wouldn't say famous from my point of view, he's an infamous uh, young earth creationist. He heads a Christian apologist ministry um, called Answers in Genesis and also runs the infamous creation museum. And as I was researching him a little, I was very uh, disturbed <laughs> to, to read that he used to be a high school teacher. Um, I wonder if he taught science. He, he probably did. Uh, can you imagine that guy teaching science to children? And before I get too far into the story, uh, I just want to apologize for not getting to this uh, story earlier. It's probably a week or so old now, but I only publish one episode a week. So sometimes I feel like I'm trying to play catch up with the news. But this is a fascinating story, and I wanted to uh, cover it even if I am a little late to the game. But I'll read from an article about it from the HuffPost Religion. Creationist Ken Ham says aliens will go to hell, so let's stop looking for them. Uh, Before I continue, that statement, I mean, pardon my French, just pisses me off so much uh, for so many reasons. Because not only does it show, you know, often atheists will get accused of being arrogant or condescending. But to me, speaking about your man-made religion, your personal faith, as if it's fact, as if you're the final authority, as if it's 100% true, you know it's true, you're so certain about that that you can say without a doubt that aliens are going to hell. Um, It's just crazy. So I think just the arrogance or the ignorance, the two often go hand in hand, of that, of, of someone behaving like they know who God is, the mind of God, and who God is going to send to hell. And it also offends me as a person who has a respect for science. And, and actually, coincidentally, I talked about this an episode or two ago about that famous Drake equation that uh, equation a scientist came up with, which is supposed to help give us some idea of maybe how much life uh, might be out there in the universe, or at least in the Milky Way galaxy. And that, I would say, 
basically, I'm not a scientist myself, but it seems safe to say that the general scientific consensus seems to be that there most likely is life elsewhere in the universe. And I talked about how, you know, we used to think that it was very hard for life to arise or that you needed the perfect conditions and how we've learned that life, even on our own planet, can live in very inhospitable environments that we used to not think possible, like the life that lives down by the black smokers, the, the black volcanic, volcanic vents at the bottom of the ocean or life that lives in caves, um, you know, existing by means of chemosynthesis instead of photosynthesis. And we know we have this vast, ever-expanding universe, and if life managed to arise here, it most likely arose elsewhere as well. That's what the statistics and common sense would seem to uh, imply or how much of that life would be microbial, how much of it would be advanced. I don't know. And uh, as I also spoke about recently, I'm skeptical about life ever visiting here because um, there'd be a, a lot of logistics and hurdles to overcome in order for even an extremely advanced civilization to reach us. And also there's the fact that there seems to be a dearth of evidence that alien life has ever visited this planet. But that being said, I still believe there probably is some kind of life somewhere out there. But Ken Ham, nevertheless, seems 100% certain that his God is the right God, and uh, he knows who's going to hell, and apparently he thinks aliens are going to hell too, because they haven't been made privy to the uh, revelation of Christ. But anyway, uh, I'll continue with the article. Creationist Ken Ham, who recently debated Bill Nye, the science guy, over the origins of the universe, is calling for an end to the search for extraterrestrial life. Because aliens probably don't exist, and if they do, they're going to hell anyway. And here's a quote from Ken Ham. You see, the Bible makes it clear that Adam's sin affected the whole universe. It does? Okay. Ham wrote on his blog on Sunday, This means that any aliens would also be affected by Adam's sin, but because they are not Adam's descendants, they can't, they can't have salvation. The post was driven in part by NASA experts saying that they expect to find evidence of alien life within the next 20 years. It's highly improbable in the limitless vastness of the universe that we humans stand alone, NASA Administrator Charles Bolden said last week. But Ham, president and CEO of Answers in Genesis in the Creation Museum in Petersburg, Kentucky, said we probably are alone, he wrote. Earth was specially created and the entire hunt for extraterrestrials is really driven by man's rebe rebellion against God and a desperate attempt to supposedly prove evolution. If aliens do exist, however, Ham said, even Jesus can't save them. Jesus did not become the God Klingon or the God Martian. Only descendants of Adam can be saved. God's Son remains the God-Man as our Savior. In fact, the Bible makes it clear that we see the Father through the Son, and we see the Son through His Word. To suggest that aliens could respond to the Gospel is just totally wrong. Sorry, Worf, he uh, says sarcastically. He knows who Worf is. I wonder if he was a uh, Star Trek The Next Generation fan. I was. I used to have a crush on Deanna Troy. Uh, but anyway, I, I think... Uh, and this kind of reminds me of like Mike Huckabee. Sometimes you have these people on the right or religious people who 
try to hide behind this thin, polite, or kind of folksy veneer. They act as if they're all harmless, nice, meek, mild, humble on the outside, but it's a thin veneer, and underneath is this kind of ugly marriage of arrogance and ignorance, and it unveils itself through their comments. So Ken Ham tries to act all nice, but here, to me, he spouses a very ugly vision of God or Christian cosmology. And he also makes a lot of kind of bold assumptions. And if we're going to operate in in the realm of pretend here or hypotheticals for a moment, how does he know, like, you know, how Mormons believe that Jesus magically appeared in the Americas uh, shortly after the resurrection? How does he know that Jesus didn't appear on uh, all the other alien planets where there's um, highly evolved, sentient, self-aware life and offers salvation to them as well? He hides behind some kind of caveat that only descendants of Adam supposedly can be saved. But if there is a just God, a loving God, when he wants to save all sentient life that he ultimately would be the creator of. And to me, why not animals too? A lot of Christians don't believe that animals have souls. I doubt the existence of a soul, except for in the poetic sense, if we're to talk about ourselves, our psyche, our self-awareness. I think our souls, as I heard um, one scientist uh, or philosopher speaking with Richard Dawkins put it, that um, we do have souls, Uh, poetically speaking or metaphorically speaking, but our souls are made of neurons in a sense. You know, we are conscious, we are self-aware, we're capable of thought and deep feeling, but I don't think that that means that our consciousness necessarily survives the death of the body. I tend to lean towards the opinion that consciousness is an emergent property of the brain. That seems the most common sense solution or explanation, given what we know about um, anatomy, uh, the brain, neuroscience. There seems to be a direct, inextricable relationship between consciousness and the meat brain. But yeah, a lot of Christians, uh, well, there's all different types of Christians. Some, I think, are more soft-hearted than others, and there's certainly a lot of Christian animal lovers out there, and there's a lot of Christians who believe that they'll see their cats and dogs again in heaven. And if there is an afterlife, I, as an animal lover, uh, I hope that's true. Um, But I think if we have souls, hypothetically speaking, that animals most likely do too. Anyone who's ever owned a cat or a dog knows what emotional and sentient little creatures they are. This was back in the day before I became a podcast junkie. I remember I used to listen to AM radio, and there was a guy I used to listen to mostly because we didn't get many uh, AM stations um, in Boston at the time. There's this guy I used to listen to, Dennis Prager. He's a conservative thinker and commentator. And I still think that for a uh, conservative pundit, um, for lack of a better term, uh, relatively speaking, I think he is a really smart and contemplative individual with a lot of depth of thought. But he's also uh, a really religious guy. Um, I think he had an orthodox Jewish upbringing. And um, recently on YouTube, I found video or rather uh, audio of him having this kind of on-air debate with Sam Harris. And for some reason, they were talking about animals. 
And it always offends me when people talk this way, but he kind of very glibly spoke about how he doesn't have a big problem with the suffering of animals or using animals for resources because he thinks that God put animals on the earth for us to use as resources. That's the primary reason why the hair is um, to suit our needs. And he said it, you know, very glibly. And I think that's a shortcut to thinking. It's a way for hard-hearted religious people to let themselves off the hook without having to deeply grapple with the ethical implications of uh, eating meat, animal testing, uh, things like that. And uh, I'm a self-admitted hypocrite when it comes to this issue. Uh, I absolutely love animals. The older I get, the more of a bleeding heart (laughs) I develop for um, animal kind and the more my sense of empathy and compassion towards animals grows. And I'm a hypocrite because I still eat meat. I'd say my diet is at least half meat. Uh, I think the longest I made it, at one point I might have made it nearly half a year without eating pork after I had seen uh, undercover video of the way pigs were treated uh, in some of the big kind of uh, factory farms or whatever, adult pigs being beaten, uh, live piglets being chucked around like they're garbage by the, uh, flinging them by the legs, etc. Um, you know, I do think that we evolved to some extent. Well, to be omnivorous, but supposedly I think it's uh, there's a theory that Australopithecines, you know, some of our early ape-like ancestors may have scavenged meat from uh, predator kills and in some way that might have led to the uh, development of these big brains that we now have. So I think it's natural that we have a taste for meat and I think it's just part of evolutionary law that life will feed on life. But we're a special case where we've evolved to the point where we're aware of our own existence and um, we're aware of the moral implications of our actions. And uh, like I've said before, I think, on the show a long time ago, I think we will reach a point, who knows, maybe soon, where as as a species we'll have to make a moral decision about whether or not we want to continue to eat meat or use animals for resources. Um, Because at least in the... um, in the Western world, we're really reaching a point where we don't even need uh, to eat meat anymore. You can go to a grocery store and find every type of food imaginable, and you can find uh, alternatives uh, to meat that have the same type of nutrition you need. And, uh, you know, we live in an age where there's all sorts of synthetic clothing, so it's not like we have to uh, use animal furs or hides to... uh, survive the harsh winters anymore. I totally got sidetracked. How the hell did I start talking about this? Oh, I know, because I was talking about the kind of arrogant and hard-hearted attitude of some religious people uh, who claim that they know what value God places on animals. Uh, They know who both uh, terrestrial and extraterrestrial is going to hell. But anyway, yeah, I was making that comparison with uh, Mormonism, where Mormons believe that Jesus made an appearance in the Americas. How does he know that Jesus didn't appear to other uh, sentient life forms in the universe? And let's say even Jesus didn't appear to them. Let's say hypothetically, still working with hypotheticals, that the Christian God is real. What kind of God 
would let all these species of advanced life out that may be out there burn in hell for all eternity simply because they weren't aware of the sacrifice of his son, who is also him and the Holy Spirit. Um, that paints a very ugly picture of God. And um, I've said sometimes that, you know, for the most part, I don't believe in God because of the lack of evidence. And it's not like I find some joy in not believing. I've discussed before how kind of tumultuous and harrowing my journey to being a non-believer was. And that for a long time, the most nightmarish thing I could think of is that there might not be a God or an afterlife. But that's where my reason uh, led me. So that's the main reason why I don't believe. But um, let's say Ken Ham's concept of God were true, that there is some kind of God who sends you to eternal damnation simply because you're not aware of the supposed sacrifice Jesus Christ made for your sins. Um, and let's say there is all sorts of extraterrestrial life out there. That one species gets the benefit from this divine sacrifice. And the rest, in the universe, which presumably... Um, is made by the same God. All these other civiliz all these other life forms, uh, also made by the same God. This one species on this one little blue dot benefits from this divine sacrifice. The rest burn in perdition for all eternity. That's to me. That's not a God worth worshiping. As offended as I am by Ken Ham's uh, statements, I'm also a little amused. Because uh, I was thinking about this earlier at work today, and uh, I was thinking about aliens in hell. You know, because we have the classic image of hell. We see all the medieval paintings with the poor, agonized, uh, naked humans, you know, being subjected to every form of torment that the human mind can possibly conceive of. And I'm just picturing hell with, like, extraterrestrials there, too. I'm picturing, like, maybe Hammerhead from uh, the original Star Wars, you know, uh, burning in a pit next to Adolf Hitler. Or maybe uh, Rush Limbaugh and Jabba the Hutt side by side. Uh, probably hard to tell which one is which. Ha, huh, low blow. Um, but I was kind of picturing, like, this whole infernal cantina scene from Star Wars. Uh, so it's kind of funny thinking about aliens in hell. Um, but it's also so grossly offensive. Not only does he know that his God's the right God, but he also knows where God is going to send every other possible uh, advanced life form out in this ever-expanding universe. I, I really wonder. Uh, I usually try not to be too derogatory towards others. I try to be thoughtful and give a reasoned explanation for why I disagree with people. But I, I wonder, I mean, there's only a few possibilities. Either this guy is batshit crazy, or maybe he's just a plain old charlatan, or he's a deluded coward. You know, I think that for someone who used to be a science teacher or whatever, so he's privy to basic scientific knowledge, and he just spits in the face of reason and sides with this one man-made religious text that represents his particular religion that he happened to be born into or whatever, when we live in a world full of religions, full of religious texts. And of course, you know, he thinks the Bible is the divine word of God. And, and as I've explained ad infinitum on this show, 
Um, the Bible is full of contradictions. Um, it's full of evidence that it's man-made. Maybe he's just deluded. Maybe he's weak. He needs to believe. So he spits in the face of reason. He spits in the face of science. And he comes up with his own bastardized, grotesque pseudoscience that allows him to maintain a veneer of being a scientific individual while simultaneously hanging on to all of this outdated bronze age myth and who knows he could be a he could be a combination of those things maybe he's part charlatan i'm sure he probably makes good money off of the uh creation museum maybe he likes the attention maybe he is a little off his rocker in a way i mean you'd have to be if he really believes the stuff he says if he really believes that the world is only several thousand years old um, if he really believes he knows that aliens are going to hell, um, if he really believes that not only did Noah's Ark exist, but there were goddamn dinosaurs on the Ark too. I apologize, you can probably tell I'm getting hot under the collar. But I, I value reason and the search for the truth probably almost above all else. But I also, I value ethics. And I think... It's ethical to seek the truth. I think it's ethical to be honest with yourself and others. And I think his whole worldview smacks of intellectual dishonesty. And he's trying to infect everyone else with this kind of distorted thinking, especially children. He wants to indoctrinate children into this young earth creationist worldview. And it's funny, they get this rough ballpark estimate, what is it, uh, 5,000, 6,000 years old for the uh, age of the earth, um, from the work of theologians and biblical scholars in the past who experimented with tallying up the ages of um, all the antediluvians and the uh, generations found in the Old Testament and trying to figure out an age for the earth that way. So here, here he is supposed to be a man of science and he chides and criticizes actual science and questions things like, um, you know, the efficacy of, or the accuracy of radiocarbon dating. Yet he gets his estimate for the age of the earth from the work of people making calculations based on the writings found in a flawed, contradictory, man-made religious text. Uh, unbelievable. But with that being said, uh, before steam starts coming out of my ears, uh, this has been The Week in Doubt. You can like the Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter, uh, check out the YouTube channel, listen on Stitcher now, review or subscribe through iTunes, um, you can subscribe on Podbean and also check out the archives. If you're feeling generous, you can donate as little as 99 cents using the PayPal widget there. And also, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you can also contribute through Patreon. And let's see, anything else? Uh, I feel like I'm missing something, but I think that's it. Uh, so until next week, thanks for listening.